WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the WrestlePod Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Nix. I am highly unpopular. I will spit fire at you. I will tell you many a hot take. And if you continue to listen, then you are truly one of this earth. And if you do not continue to listen, then chances are that you're probably a bit of a sweaty fucking melt. So boo fucking who and run along back to your pokey little podcast where they just tell you everything you want to hear because it'll make you feel better about yourself, yeah? You can go and have a little cry about it on Facebook, you fucking mugs. Anyway, (laughs) those who have survived this intro will know that this is a very sharpshooting, straight shooting and honest podcast. We tell it how it is and we have a good time doing it as well. For the people who do enjoy it, thank you very much for joining us for the ride. Of course, the State Wrestling Address is a weekly affair from the WrestlePlug. I, the wonderful host and owner of WrestlePlug, Aaron Nix, will discuss the weekly wrestling topics every single week on said State of Wrestling Address. But I don't want to do it by myself. I'm not that lonely, although I do genuinely tend to detest humankind in all forms. Unless, you know, said form happens to be in the form of Mandy Rose, in which case that is thoroughly acceptable. And I highly, highly suggest that she uh, slides up my DMs when, when Otis is buggered off, because obviously that's inevitable. Uh, but we'll get to Raw in a moment. My co-host for this afternoon's wonderful jaunt into the wrestling world is none other than Canada's finest cleaner. And by that, I mean that he is highly competent. He can at least work a microphone for... I don't know, more than 20 seconds, which is more that can be said for the poodle-haired monstrosity who more and more seems to be falling into my bad graces. And I, of course, refer to my wonderful co-host, Carl Wilkinson. I feel like I'd be scared if I actually got on a microphone in front of thousands of people. I don't feel like I'd do it very well. I do it well here, so maybe it would be okay. Can't be as bad as Kenny Omega, mate. He is fucking atrocious on commentary. Like... The drizzling shits. This is supposedly, according to the internet wrestling community and the general smarky fucking universe, and even the marks, this is supposed to be the best wrestler in the world. This is the best kept secret until recently in wrestling. And furthermore, we are seeing my, I have a theory, as everybody knows. Japanese wrestling talents or talents who have predominantly been popular in Japan more so than anywhere else severely struggle to ingratiate themselves with a North American audience. I just think it is what it is. By the way, when you're sitting on comms, right, and Tony Schiavone, who's wearing slacks and trainers, right, the bottom half of Tony Schiavone, right, looks like it's retired, and the upper half looks like it's just pulled an 18-hour shift at Starbucks, right? And when he's mocking you for what you're wearing, 
you really need to assess your life. So, you know, Kenny Omega, just going to shoot on you, bruv. You look fucking ridiculous. I don't care how good you are in the ring. Present yourself in the way you would expect everybody to see you. Because you look right now like some homeless guy who's just jaunting around Bondi Beach looking for babes. It's a bit embarrassing, really. It's a bit embarrassing. Have a word of him, Carl. You're Canadian. You guys have some sort of telepathy going on, I assume. Some sort of internet and some sort I'm, of I'm intraweb. Sure could, I'm sure I could just leave a message for him at my boss, Tim Hortons. He'll find I was going to say, yeah. I was, is, is that how it works in Canada? You go to Tim Hortons and you just kind of... It's like it's like the post office, but it's like everybody's linked in to Tim Hortons. It's like the great mainframe, the matrix of Canada. You just go to Tim Hortons and go, oh, I have a double-double and uh, leave a message to Kenny Omega and let him know he's a total piece of shit, eh? And then all of a sudden, like, Kenny Omega's just like the local... Tim Horns would be like, Kenny Omega, you are wanted right now. Message online free from Kyle <laughs> of Ontario. That would work beautifully. I won't give away your entire position, but how is Ontario, by the way? How's how's COVID-19 treating you, mate? Uh, well, apparently we have gotten, like, I think yesterday we had, like, 400 new cases because... Oof, that's like, a lot. Is that in I the state? Know. Well, yeah, like a, it's a it's a province, but it's it's, it's a, oh, a province. I do apologize. This is this lot. They're still part of the Commonwealth. They want us to take them back, just in case America decides <laughs> to evade and take all their lovely snow from them. But as far as I like, I don't know how bad Peterborough itself is, but um, I knew this would be a problem when uh, you know colleges and universities started going back in because Peterborough has a very popular college and university, they have Trent University and. Master Sanford Flint College. So as soon as all those kids came back in having all parties and shit, getting sick. Hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry, your mic cut out a little bit at the end there, but I got the general gist of it. So basically, it's them kids' faults, which is kind of what's happening over here. Boris Johnson comes out, the wavy haired wank pheasant, and says, Oh, um, it's uh, it's the university students' faults for all going back to university, which I told them to do when I reopened them. So it's their fault for doing what I told them to do and going back and then having pies. And I love how the angry, miserable, and I mean, that's that's saying something coming from me because I'm angry and miserable, but these people are much older than me. I love how the old conservatives of this country are just like, how fucking, by the way, I'm not liberal at all. I think that left and right are a fucking joke. And if you're as uber leftist as you are, uber right, you go fuck yourself as far as I'm concerned. Um, but... <laughs> I just love it because they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's university students. They've ruined it for everybody. Uh, can you believe the university students are having parties of more than six? Yes. Yes, I can. Because these people are paying upwards of £9,000. That's around 12000 Canadian dollars a year just for their educational benefits. Nothing else. Not the extra loans that come out and the maintenance loans that they'll eventually have to repay. Just that. So you're looking at the back end of a good 30 grand for three years of education without any kind of add-ons. And then you factor in maintenance loans and things like that. So yeah, of course they're not going to fucking take this shit seriously. And of course they're going to have pies, you fucking morons. Because as far as they're concerned, this might be the only time they have to enjoy their lives while every single ridiculous, over-the-top old person who doesn't believe in the concept of white privilege decides to fucking burn away the entire remain of dignity that we have in this country. You fucking useless cunts. Anyway, wrestling. Um, <laughs> eight minutes in, let's talk about some wrestling. Did you watch WWE Raw this week, Mr. Wilkinson? Uh, 
I worked that day. I think I worked like a 13 and a half hour day. You so I missed it. I know. You worked instead of watching Raw, the most important three hours of your week. Raw is it, for me. It wasn't by choice. Believe you me. Raw is for me like my five a day. I have to take it in. But ideally, I'd rather be, you know, enjoying something a lot more dirty and a lot more X-rated. And ultimately, Raw was a a debacle. Um, it had some funny moments. It had some fucking awful moments. But there is one thing that everybody's talking about. We mentioned it last week. So Rey Mysterio's daughter, Leah, is starting to ingratiate herself in the storylines a little bit further. And, of course, the progression of the storyline involving herself and Buddy Murphy seems to have progressed at least slightly in the sense of Seth Rollins leaked. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about a predetermined fictional television program uh Seth Rollins <laughs> stole Buddy Murphy's phone um apparently Buddy Murphy doesn't have a lock on it either or Seth Rollins is a master of hacking he breaks in ah maybe that's maybe that's the continuity maybe Seth Rollins is the hacker and this is a big swerve and he used his abilities to get into Buddy Murphy's phone Either way, he leaked the messages that Buddy was having with Aaliyah. And my Lord, were they juicy. And by juicy, I mean absolutely not. I'm being entirely facetious. He literally checked in with her. I believe she wished him a happy birthday. Um, And he said, thank you. I hope things are okay. Uh, I'm here if you need me. And that apparently constitutes as sex, according to not only the Mysterio family, but also the WWE Universe and wrestling fans as a whole. Uh, the outrage was quick and succinct. Um, not from everyone, it has to be said. There seemed to be a very big line drawn um, because Aaliyah Mysterio is 19 years old and Buddy Murphy is 32. By the way, I'm talking about fictional characters. Uh, people are up in arms about this. They believe this to be almost predatory. Now, the one thing I will say uh, is I understand, particularly on the back end of the speaking out movement, that this does seem to be an incredibly dangerous time to suggest a romantic inclination between a 19-year-old and a 32-year-old. That being said, they are consenting adults, whether you find it creepy or not. And also, let's not forget, it's wrestling. It's not actually real. Okay? So Wait, wrestling's um, not real? It's, you know, it depends what you're watching, really. Uh, it's still real to me. So, don't ruin me, you, David. Don't you ruin this? Uh, well, what, there's, there's a twofold question here. So, hit it with the double barreled approach. First of all, what do you think of the storyline in general, which shouldn't really take too much time to wrap it up? And also, where do you sit on the fence with it? Do, do you find it offensive anyway? Are you butt hurt? Are you finding it a little bit creepy? You know, what, what's your kind of mental gauge from it if you take away kayfabe? Well, I mean, I, I th- we talked about it last time I was here. I didn't even really like when Eddie did this, but we look back on it now and it's like, oh, Eddie did it, so it's funny. Like, this whole storyline in general, I think, is ridiculous. Just, it's dumb, and I hate it. As for, like, like predatory shit, no. People are just the wrestling fans. They're looking for something. There's nothing wrong here. Like, A, storyline is not actually happening. B, even if it was, she is a legal consenting adult. It's not that big of a deal. But for fuck's sake. Mm, Everyone just wants to get mad all the time, bro. And I can't deal with it. 
Yeah, outrage culture. The only thing I'm going to get mad at is your atrocious mic at the moment because Scott Wilkinson is patching in and out harder than fucking data when he plugs himself into a fucking outlet. So we'll see how we can do. We'll, we'll try and get it fixed as we go, ladies and gentlemen. But from my perspective, um, I just, you know, I I don't care. <laughs> okay, uh, here's an unpopular opinion for you. Uh, a 19-year-old is... A, now, admittedly, in my country, I know that the consenting age for uh, an individual is 16, not 18. I believe it's 18 in the United States. So I can imagine, from that perspective, it might be even more sensitive. Is it a big age gap? Is she incredibly young? Um, yes. I mean, frankly... Do you know what? It's not a popular opinion, but I don't give a fuck. It's not like anyone's listening anyway. And the few people who are listening probably won't be that offended. If I saw Aaliyah Mysterio in a club, I'd be all over that shit. <laughs> Just, that is a beautiful woman. Absolutely beautiful. Um, but it, it's a very weird situation because that's all hypothetical anyway. There has been no uh, indication that there is any romantic relationship here. As far as we can tell, Elias seems to see the good in Buddy that other people don't, and she's trying to defend uh, for, um, She's trying to defend him against her own family. I'll tell you what pisses me off the most about this whole thing. Irregardless of whether you want the relationship to happen or not, or if you find it creepy or not, we're talking about two individuals who quite literally grabbed human beings, including the woman's father, and dissected their eyeballs so the whole you know time for he's good but he's not like them uh he did kind of do it to alistair black love and i know alistair black isn't really associated with you right now and that's another story like alistair black is so enraged by the fact that he had his eye taken out he's got to take it out on kevin owens who has absolutely nothing to do with this storyline whatsoever so dumb the storytelling aspect we'll get into raw in a little bit because there was some really hysterically stupid things going on um but from my perspective i just think people want to be outraged grow up man it's fucking wrestling. Also, these are the same people who are whinging all the time. Oh, gee, fucking wrestling's not, wrestling's not real enough. It's organic enough. It's not hardcore enough. Oh, fucking, it needs to be more real. Oh, wrestling isn't edgy enough. Oh, I'm going to go watch AEW because they do much more elite shit. What the fuck? So what? All of a sudden, when we have this, you know, sort of hypothetical relationship between two people... <gasps> You fucking mirror disgusting. <clears throat> Behave. The only reason anyone's calling it creepy is get I noticed as well, what pissed me off is the majority of people calling it creepy. Let's be honest, these people look highly suspect in their own right. You should go through some of the Twitter profiles, the fucking state of them. If they have got real pictures of themselves, they look like grade A fucking predators themselves. And the people who fucking don't have pictures of them have pictures of like, I don't know, anime characters or something. You just think like social media is so fake, man. It's not fucking real. It's such a, a fake world. I, it, it can be such a useful tool. It really can. But unfortunately, with a useful tool comes an astonishing amount of tools that sit with it. And that's basically what's happened here. This is what happens when anyone is allowed an opinion and anyone is allowed to express said opinion online. And I'm sure there are people who say exactly the same thing about us. And frankly, I don't give a fucking shit because the difference is I'm not forcing you to listen to this podcast. But when I go on the internet, for some reason, I'm not forced to read your opinions, but they're just there. And just by happenstance. And obviously, I need to take an interest because it makes this podcast a little bit more, I don't know, 
a little bit more interesting. I want to gauge what people think when I watch wrestling. I want to know what people feel. It's the same as when you watch sports. You want to know what people think about your team, whether they like them or not. I'm a huge Miami Heat fan, have been for 20 years. We got literally, we had our pants ripped down and we were violated in the first game in the NBA Finals by arguably one of the greatest teams of the modern generation ever and also one of the two greatest basketball players to ever live in LeBron James. And apparently that makes us... You know, a joke and whatever. It is what it is. Frankly, we shouldn't even been in the final. It's, you know, we've done amazingly to get that far. But you're curious as to what people think. But uh, people can't just have an opinion. They've got to be outraged. They've got to be, you know, offended for whatever reason. And frankly, th- this storyline hasn't got far enough yet that you should be offended by the hypothetical and, you know, not it's not even literal at this point. A figuratively speaking relationship is exactly that. It's a hypothetical relationship. We don't know yet. We don't know. It you know they've kind of fired into the night sky before they even know if someone's attacking or not. It's like a preemptive strike by fans. <gasps> this is fucking disgusting. What does it say about our generation and the modern generation and the you know the younger fans as a whole that they took from that text message conversation? Oh, he's trying to fuck her. And of course, something else I should mention, Alexa Bliss goes on Twitter. She goes, oh, you know, way to shoot your shot, mate. Kind of, you know, sort of a little bit of a funny dick. You know, he's my ex, but good for him for having a go because she's pretty hot. And everyone's like, oh, so you're okay with paedophilia? What? What? Like, first of all, no, it's not that. It's not nonce. I hate to break it to you, Ray. I know we're all sensitized because of what happened, and rightfully so, but having sex with someone of a legal age is not being a a fucking nonce. It's not. Okay. Like, is it awkward? Is it creepy? Could it be morally or ethically, you know, inappropriate? Possibly that's dependent on the individuals themselves and how that pans out down the line, but it's not illegal. It's not like he's hitting up Aaliyah when, you know, CM Punk was singing happy birthday to her. Is he? Right. (laughs) You know, it just can we stop being so fucking sensitive? Can we please just shut up and see what happens? Because the same people are the same ones who shit on Bray Wyatt initially. Do you remember the Firefly Fun? Oh, it was fucking terrible. What the fuck was that? Oh, it's fucking stupid. It's childish. Oh, it's got a wrong dot. And now everyone's fapping ferociously over the possibilities of the fiend and Alexa Bliss. You know, sometimes WWE can surprise you. A lot of times they'll piss you off. Absolutely. But they can surprise you too. <laughs> to be honest, it's no worse than anything else I saw on this show. Um, have you seen the clip of Randy Orton going full uh, Splinter Cell? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that. I, I really and, enjoyed uh, this. Really enjoyed this. I, uh, this was the end of the show as well. Like This wasn't even the main event. <laughs> like, it, well, it, was, it, was, it was... It was interesting. It was not what I expected. Because mm. I like I hadn't been watching Raw throughout the night for the most part, so then I just see like these old all these legends just playing poker. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. They're just old dudes hanging out, okay. And then Randy murders them. I'm like, oh, okay. The concept's funny, right? Now it, the problem is. They're doing funny shit and presenting it as serious. So Randy Orton is 
you know, right at the beginning of the night, um, I, you're in one of two camps, I've noticed. A lot of people did not like the way the, the match was booked with all the legends, you know, getting involved in the ambulance match. I'm talking about, of course, at the last pay-per-view Clash of Champions. A lot of people felt that using all these different legends to get paid, he kind of made Drew look like a total bitch and all that. I actually lent on the other side of things where I didn't mind it because ultimately it was advancing the storytelling. So I wasn't truly offended. It, it, it still doesn't look fantastic for Drew McIntyre that, you know, all these guys got involved. So they tried to cover that at the beginning of Raw because they said, oh, well... You know, we've got, um, we just kind of did our own thing. We didn't let Drew know we were going to get involved. We just wanted our payback and were sorry if we stood on your toes, champ. But he's like, you know, haggis and Scottish euphemisms and he doesn't mind and he's happy days and whatever. And you think, eh, whatever. You know, I, I get to see Christian on my TV. Not going to complain too much. Um, you know, the rest of them, I can kind of take it or leave it, but love me some Christian. And yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Okay, whatever. Later in the night, Randy Orton, who, you know, this is the thing as well. Randy Orton's like, do you know what? I'll get a title shot because I can. Oh, great. So we get another fucking match. You've already had an ambulance match. And also, can I just say, and I'm thoroughly in a great, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm copying him because I don't think I am, but I have watched Simon Miller's up and downs from this because I I do like Simon Miller, even though I'm not quite big on the whole YouTube culture thing. And he said that, you know, it's something that I immediately saw when I watched Raw Live was, um, oh, the, the, um, you know, he he kind of mentioned hell in a cell. He said, uh, it's going to be hell for you, Drew. I was like, "Ah, I see what you're doing because hell in a cell thing. Just this, kind of baby step mentality and the way they hold your hand towards everything it's not needed i get that a a large core of your audience are probably five but you know even a five-year-old can deduct what's going to happen from here and then he leaves the arena and then he's seen later on dressed as a janitor not many janitors i've seen dressed like him by the way he looked like some he looked a little bit like kane in see no evil a huge boiler suit going on he's got the mask on he's got a hood on you know and then he sort of he can hear them laughing away he slowly walks up to the door and he kind of so the first thing that really pissed me off about this is that he walks in right and slams the door and then there's a hesitation all four of them are like <gasps> wait there's four of you if you all immediately get up and rush him, he's fucked. Chair or not. Like, admittedly, Ric Flair probably not going to do a great deal in his state. And let's be fair, the reason they did it the way they did is because Ric Flair can't really do anything, can he? He can't take an actual shit kicking at this point. He turns the lights off, and then you hear this comedic banging. <laughs> like, uh, just a boo, 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 and then every now and then, uh, uh. it's like, what is going on? Like, it was eerily similar to what I would imagine a very hyped up gay pornography would be. Um, and I do, I did show it just so people were clear because I know the super left are going to get offended by that comment as well. I actually have a gay best friend, uh, a legitimate gay best friend. It's not Carl, by the way, before anyone asks. And I showed oh, it to ladies. him. Oh, yeah, he's definitely straight, astonishingly. Couldn't believe it myself. Um, So, yeah, I showed it to him. And he went, that's fucking gay. (laughs) 
First thing he said, that's fucking gay. That's that's from a gay man, ladies and gentlemen. It was, it was, it was just stupid. It made absolutely, look, it made sense from that perspective, but these are all, I mean, Big Show, legitimate threat. I can kind of understand that because he can still move and he's huge, obviously. And he, if he legitimately punches you once, you're dead. So I understand that. But this is Randy Orton. The prime assassin. By the way, his night vision goggles look suspiciously like a pair of those ski goggles you get. Like, they didn't look particularly... Very, I, I kind of wish the prop department had gone with the full splinter cell touch. You know, the glowing green eyes, like in Sicario when they're in the tunnel. I wanted it to be super spec ops. And instead, we got, like, super low rent, like a college film. Like a pair of, I don't know, like a pair of night vision goggles you get as a giveaway in a fucking games competition or something for college. I was just like, mm, no, no, not feeling it. What do you think about um, Randy Orton's... Nighttime escapades. Well, I mean, I still think Randy's on like the run of his career at the moment. This was just, this was kind of the lowest point so far. Cause I mean, like it just, it wasn't good. And like they got the cameras in there. They watched him come in. They watched him go out. They know what he was wearing. How did security got not go? Like how did Adam Pierce not go? Hey guys, maybe we should go find this guy. This is what he was wearing when he committed the murder. So, I mean, it was just, it was kind of weak storytelling overall. We're going to get Randy and Drew in Hell in a Cell. Fine, I guess. But if this isn't it, I'm going to be mad. Just move on. There's got to be someone else other than Randy Orton for Drew McIntyre. So just wrap it up in the cell and move on. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of this stems from COVID-19 issues, which I'm going to jump on in a minute, and that's why they're lacking staff and contenders. Uh, like you say, the cameras are watching it. They know what's happening. Everyone can see it. <coughs> Excuse me. Surely, next week, the officials are going to be like, we saw what you did, Randy. You're suspended. You know, you... you. So, what, what we're essentially saying, you either... Murdered a janitor, which is quite likely, knowing Randy Orton's character. Portrayed yourself as him in his clothes, the dead man's clothes, and then infiltrated a room, wore night vision goggles, and violently assaulted four men, two of which I'm pretty sure are senior citizens. Um, and then, you know, somehow scared the whole thing, like it doesn't make any sense. Even from a fictional ridiculous, you know, suspend your disbelief. You're in that crazy WWE bubble. And I know a lot of people are going to say Kira Tazawa was eaten by a shark last week. That was clearly meant as a joke. We all know that. This is being portrayed. This isn't like, huh, funny guys with 24-7 talk. This is your main event. This is your main heel. This is your best heel. And I still agree, absolutely. Randy Orton is on the tear of his life. And this won't affect him too much, providing he goes back to doing the good shit. But... This is your main event. This is your main storyline. This pretty much, other than Roman Reigns over in SmackDown, is the pinnacle of what WWE has to offer. Their predatory, you know, viper, the viperous apex that is Randy Orton dressing as a janitor, beating up old men with a steel chair in the dark with a pair of night vision goggles on, while hapless officials run around wondering what's going on. Like, as soon as as you saw him outside the Legends Land, that should have triggered security. It, it's, it's, 
there's a line, okay? Um, you can't go too far when it's your more serious characters. This is the problem here. And I know a lot of people are like, I'll oh, just enjoy it, just have fun. It's hard to. How, how can I enjoy it when they make it so ridiculous? You know, Simon Miller on what culture enjoyed it. I thought it was a fucking joke. I thought it was terrible, to be honest. I thought it was awful. Um, on the plus side of things, I did actually really enjoy... Uh, did you see uh, R-Truth playing chess with himself? Have you seen this yet? I saw the clip, yeah. I fucking... I love mm-hmm. R-Truth, man. Like, mm-hmm. he definitely does not belong in the main event ever. But, I mean, come on. Uh, what was it? Capital Punishment 2011? That yeah. That's a title. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he he doesn't belong there. This is his perfect niche. Just let him keep making the 24-7 title, I mean, relevant. We haven't had Drake Maverick in a while, which sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Well, he's gone back to NXT as well, hasn't he? Which is yeah, kind of nicks that. They've gone back to a sort of, you know, a, a slightly more serious approach with him. But you know, the reason I brought it up isn't necessarily because I want to cover it for 10 minutes, but it's to point out the discrepancies because... You know, our truth is sitting there and playing chess with what I assume is little Jimmy, who he then brought on Raw Talk later, which and I don't like the little Jimmy gimmick. I think it's fucking dumb as shit. But but it has value to certain people. I appreciate that. Just because it's not for me doesn't mean I can't acknowledge it is entertaining to others. But he's sitting there playing chess, then this ninja turns up, show and he's got he's got a note with it. And he reads a note and it says, Dear R Truth, if you're reading this, I was eaten by a shark, which is what essentially happened to Akira Tazawa, at least we thought last week. He says, If I've been eaten by a shark, I want you to have this. And he opens the case, and I thought it was going to be that pulp fiction moment where you don't see it and there was going to be a bright light. And it turns oh, out it's Akira's black belt. And yeah, and so it's his black belt. <laughs> and um, Akira Tozawa sneaks up behind him, rolls him out, boom, 24 7 champion. As soon as he shoots up to celebrate, the ninja who would offer the briefcase then hits him square in the head with said briefcase. Turns out it's Drew Gulak. He rolls up Akira Tozawa immediately for the win. Drew Gulak's like, yeah, I'm the man. Boom, gets hit in the back of the head with another briefcase. I assume the same briefcase. I'm not entirely sure. By our truth, who then rolls him up and becomes the 41st, you know, for the 41th time, the 24 7 champion. By the way, I reckon it's more than that, and they've padded those numbers. I really do, or de-padded them, however you want to look at it, because I think it's more than 41. I want somebody to go back and actually tell me, because I'm pretty sure he must be in the 60 range by now. It's insane. But the reason I brought it up is because that's funny. And the reason it's funny is because it's not meant to be taken seriously. And they've made that very clear from the get-go. They haven't tried to pretend that the 24-7 championship was anything but serious. They had that little moment, didn't they, with uh, Mojo Rawley was like, yeah, I'm going to fight people to their face for this belt. And that just didn't work. And nobody gave a shit. Put it back on our truth. Surprise, people are entertained. Because if there's one thing you have to say about that guy, he knows how to entertain. He's a natural-born entertainer. But like you say, he's in the right position on the card. He's being hilarious. He's being stupid. That is absolutely fine. Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre are at the very top of the card fighting for the most prestigious title in the history of wrestling, period. This is the most important belt in the world, okay? And here we are on the flagship wrestling show in the world, okay? Because when you say wrestling, 
the very first ever truly weekly proper TV show is Raw, whether you like it or not. That's the show. Everybody, obviously, there's been main event before that, and, you know, Saturday Night Superstar, Shotgun Saturday, whatever it might be. Raw is the preeminent show. It has been since 1993, okay? The headline of that this week was, you know, arguably the greatest heel of the modern generation going after your WWE champion, the pinnacle of the company, you know, and going after his old friends with night vision goggles on. Doesn't doesn't take too long to put the maths together and think, it's a bit fucking dumb, isn't it? You know what? R-Truth, Shark, Security Tower, hysterically good fun because it's right down at the bottom where nobody's meant to give a shit. So you don't have to take it seriously. Sit back, relax, have a glass, have a fucking monster, whatever it may be, and just laugh your ass off at it. But when it comes to the main event, I expect something more. Not the same level of carny stupidity and nitrogen goggles. It's ridiculous. Uh, did you hear that apparently members of Retribution have COVID-19, as does Cedric Alexander? These are all rumours. I can't confirm this this is what's all over the dirt sheets there is a covid19 problem uh running rife around wwe and also a little bit i'm told with other companies including aw which has meant that there has been quite a few last minute uh modifications i don't know if anyone has noticed but lance archer wasn't on aw last week uh, when we discussed it eddie kingston had to step into the fold last minute which actually worked out really well for us because we ended up getting that incredible match with him and moxley and just you know great to see him doing well and you know i was thrilled from that perspective but yeah a lot of individuals missing there was no retribution this week their sole contribution um was to kind of their graphic came up during the Hurt Businesses match, and that was it. Do you think that, because I remember you saying a while back that these companies, particularly WWE, should have just shut it down. They shouldn't have fucking continued. They should have found something else, or they should have, you know, God knows what, maximum security, whatever it took, but they should not have put these people at risk. Do you think, it? do you still feel that way? Because COVID-19 is kind of, we're all kind of getting used to it now, I think. We're all getting almost dangerously close dangerously close to being used to a coronavirus-infected world. And for a lot of us, we're thinking, well, whatever, you know. We, we've kind of just, I, I'm guilty of it a little bit, you know. I've got to this point now where I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to go out and do my thing. If, if there are people around, I'll wear a mask. If they're not, I'm not going to fucking wear a mask. I'm just going to crack on and do my thing. You know, I try and follow the guidelines. I try and be respectful of other people. But ultimately, like, for instance, when I go down and tend to the horses and I'm just with my missus or whatever, I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I'm not wearing a fucking mask. Go fuck yourself. It's not like the horse is going to be like, oi, social distancing. <laughs> like, you know, I'm blessed, though, because I don't live in a city. I'm a country boy. So it works for me. But do you feel that this is just another fucking mark against the negligence of the big companies and their lack of awareness and their lack of appreciation for it. Or do you think they're just doing as well as they can by then sending these people home and saying, right, two weeks, you have to self-isolate or whatever it is until we know or until we can test you to know that you don't have COVID-19? I mean, I definitely feel a little more, like a little vindicated still, like putting these people's lives at risk isn't worth it. Nobody is immune to this shit, man. Like, once The Rock got it, I knew that the entire world could be fucked. Like, let's be honest, that man is just a genetic anomaly, and he got it. 
but the president of the United States has it. I'm sorry, I had to mention this because it's just fucking hilarious. Oh, God. But, Can we get into that, Ryan? I personally don't <laughs> think he does. I think it's fake. Oh, okay. I don't know, man. I'm, I love a conspiracy theory. I'm not a tinfoil hat-wearing lunatic. I just think it's very convenient. They had that crazy debate. He came across as a complete cock-waffling idiot. He would have looked very bad in the ratings, the approval ratings, and everything that comes with it. And then literally a few days later, uh, yeah, just just so you know, I've got COVID-19. I'm going to go instead of two weeks. I'm probably not going to be able to debate with Joe Biden. He's a really good guy. And uh, it's it's fine. I'm totally fine. I've got COVID. My, my wife's got it too, which is great because I've actually stuck my dick in my daughter for the last year. So I'm amazed that I've been anywhere near. We've been socially distancing that crazy, but it's fine. I've got COVID-19. I'm just like, hmm, this all seems very coincidental that you happen to pick it up right before the election campaign kicks into gear where people will want to look at you with a sympathetic touch and they'll be like, oh yes, but our wonderful, glorious white supremacy president, he had COVID too. Not buying it. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm breaking out the conspiracy theory for this. I don't think he has it. I think it's horseshit. I mean, it's definitely uh, convenient that Come on. this happened. His hair would have deflected it, surely. <laughs> the amount of uranium it takes for his hair to be the way it is, that would have surely deflected anything anyway. Like, at this point, you would have assumed he would have had all the cancers. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. Like, it's it's definitely funny to think about just if he does have it. I, I wish death upon no one. I'm not a complete dick. But I hope he gets, if, if he has it, I hope he gets super sick. I hope he suffers so he can realize that this is actually a serious thing. I hope I don't you want... get close to death, but not quite death. I, so I want you to learn some form yeah. of lesson. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to say. That. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm in my, a different country. I have the right to free speech. Such yes, you dick. do. You do. But you're also Canadian, so it goes completely against your country's heritage to be this mean. It does. But, well, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't want him to die. I just want him to get really, really sick and maybe learn a lesson or two. And if he doesn't have it, this is a cheap ploy for heat, and then I, maybe I hope he does actually die. Okay, fair enough. Um, so there you go, Donald Trump, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, because obviously, why would you be a fan of the WrestlePlay? I love those guys at WrestlePlay. They're great guys. They, t- they tell the truth about wrestling. It's a really good time. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I just, at this point, I wonder why I should care. But um, you didn't really answer the question, I suppose. Uh, what do you think about all these things? Do you think WWE should still shut it down? Are you still of the opinion that wrestling shouldn't be going on right now? At this point, I don't think that's an option because they've done so much to try and make it work that I think trying to close it all down would just be a, a huge problem. So now. As long as each person that has been in contact with or did contract the virus does everything they need to do to self-isolate for the 14 days and, and be symptom-free for 14 days, it's it's scary, but these people all, you know, they're all adults. They all make this, the decisions for themselves. So hopefully, you know, with, you know, a resurgence of this global fucker around the world, um, hopefully they all, uh, you know, stay healthy because they're... They are providing entertainment, which is something I always thought was important because, you know, we need that right now with the world on fire, but not at the expense of, you know, their health and safety as well. 
Yeah, and on a completely unrelated note, but sort of related because I used an impression of him. If you like my impression of Donald Trump uh, enough, I'm more than willing to read out whatever shit you want or I can record on this podcast a hilarious voice note or something to one of your friends just to wind them up. So if you want the use of my incredibly inadequate impressions, feel free to let me know. Uh, it'd be a giggle. And to be honest, I just want I just want things to do. Okay, I just want something to do, even if it's trolling your friends, pretending to be the greatest president in the United States, Donald J. Trump. The J stands for ginormous. Okay, some people said it's G, but I don't agree. It means ginormous hands. My hands are huge. Okay, it's a really good term. Uh, Yeah, whatever. I just I just want to do Donald Trump impressions. I don't even care about wrestling enough at this point. I just want to laugh at Donald Trump at this. By the way, I know I know that all of our American friends are going to be like, oh, fucking you got Boris Johnson's Prime Minister. Yeah, trust me, mate. If we had guns, we'd be just as bad as you. But we don't, so I'm going to mock you either way. Plus, you motherfuckers don't know how to make a cup of tea, so show your whore Um, What do you think about Butcher and the Blade saying that the Young Bucks are the Michael Jordans of professional wrestling? Did you see this? Do they mean that in a, they're, they were the best at you know a certain time but then he came back as a wizard and no one cares or is this no. just a general they're just the, like the best no they um they referred to their so they had that um that brawl didn't they that um that one that oh, i think it started in the kitchen or whatever on dynamite a few weeks back uh, they were talking about it on uh, i believe it was the AEW podcast that aubrey edwards and tony Schiavone do and they were asked what they thought about the Young Bucks. And that match went quite pretty viral on the internet. I think it topped out over a million views on YouTube, which isn't bad. But at the same time, with all due respect, a lot of videos get big views now when it comes to wrestling, if they go even remotely viral. And they tested this or, you know, attributed this, should I say, to the popularity of the Young Bucks. And in one of their statements, they said that, when they worked with him, it was amazing. You know, they, they said they're the Michael Jordans of professional wrestling, insinuating that they're pretty much the GOAT. I mean, I know you're not a huge fan of the Bucks. I remember when I first saw them, I thought they were a bunch of flippy douches and I hated them and I got blocked on Twitter for it. And then <clears throat> I watched, I got more into New Japan. I'm like, oh, I don't mind them. They're actually pretty good. But, like, I would not call them the best tag team in the world. Or, like, the best of this era. They're good, for sure. But, no, I would not, in any stretch of the imagination, call them the best. Yeah, I have the quotes here for clarification. Um, Let's have a look. There's a lot of flim flam here. No joke. Doing this, you honestly understand that Nick and Matt are the Michael Jordans of pro wrestler because they can call a match in 50 minutes. Go out there and do that stuff like it's nothing. I've seen it a few times in wrestling, like these bright flashes, but every single time I'm in something with them, everything clicks. As we were just walking around, it was just like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And then they're like, oh, my God, that's great. And then they elaborate and they're listening to what you're saying and elaborating on your ideas. They're not just taking. They're the Michael Jordans, I think, right now of professional wrestling. Right. OK, I, I need to get into this because I love basketball. Basketball is a big thing for me. So this is why I wanted to mention this story. And also because of the sheer preposterous nature of this dumbass novella that was dropped by Butcher and the Play. So. First of all, um, you guys, I actually quite like you 
So would you refrain from talking such utter cock-garbling, cum-shooting nonsense out of your fucking nostrils and mouth? Disgraceful. Right. Michael Jordan is, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player to have ever lived. Okay, And I didn't even like the guy when I was a kid, not because he wasn't the greatest. Absolutely. I love watching him play. But as a Miami Heat fan, watching him systematically destroy all my other heroes, you know, I just ah, fuck you, Jordan. Like, you know, Jordan was like Shawn Michaels to me in so many ways as he was clearly the best. But I hated the fact that he was the best and whipping the ass of all of my heroes. That was unacceptable. That being said, as an adult, I realized how special Michael Jordan was. What they're essentially saying is that these two are the greatest wrestlers that have ever lived. I'm sorry, but you cannot use that analogy unless that's what you're referring to. And if that's the case, these two need a CAT scan. I know AEW can be a bit out of control, a bit stupid. I don't hate it nearly as much as Jimmy and the rest of the gang. But come on. Fucking ludicrous. Beyond belief. You know, like... Even if I like the Young Bucks, there's no way I'm going to call them the greatest. They're not even the best tag team in their own company. So how can they possibly be the Michael J- So what the fuck are FTR then? The Scotty Pippins? What the hell is going on with that analogy? It's dumb. It's stupid. It feels like clickbait. It gets everyone talking. It gets us talking. Fair enough. But I've got to chastise them for it. I think that's an absolute fucking joke. And frankly, it's a disservice to that. I mean, what it is, right, is hyperbole. And it's not even good hyperbole. It's one of those things where, oh, surprise, people of this generation, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, he's definitely the so-and-so. That's all, you know, like, it's, it's, we get the same in every sport, okay? We get it in all sorts of things for, you know, football fans, and I mean English football, soccer, as you guys like to call it, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, no doubt this generation's best two players. People are like, oh, these are the greatest players that have ever lived. But it's hard to quantify that anyway because of the old era and how people played and everything was different anyway. And, you know, people just only think about greats. When they think about greats, they only think about people now. It's the same reason why we're getting the argument now. Of, oh, yeah, LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Is he? Like, even if he is, so what? Like, they're, they're, it's literally 1-1A. One one it's so close. You couldn't put it there. And that's what pisses me off about this. We're not talking about... You know, it's not like we're saying, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling. Because then you could be like, yeah, fair enough. You know, at one point, most definitely. The Young Bucks have never been at a pinnacle of this illustrious business. Whether you like it or not, they just haven't. Are they the best tag team? No. Are they the best tag team in their company? No. Are they the best mic workers? No. Are they, you know, are they best storytellers? Absolutely not. Are they great at flipping? Absolutely out of all that that I've just listed, like, you know, there are better mic workers. There are better technical wrestlers. There are better storytellers. There are better psychologists in the ring. If you want to say they're the Michael Jordans of selling merch, I can kind of understand that. They're pretty, pretty nifty with Air Jordans as well. It just seems like one of them stupid off the cuff state, off the cuff, excuse me, statements. And it frustrates me. I think it's fucking lazy, but that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It's a sports analogy. It is what it is. Um, 
a few other little things sort of flying around the uh, the wrestling world, uh, so to speak. So, uh, Unit 10, I should give them a quick plug, obviously. Our friends at Reach Wrestling now have a YouTube series that they are going to be dropping. So, of course, still no real British independent wrestling to speak of over here, other than a few uh, wanton uh, kind of, you know, online fight TV spectacles like Rev Pro. Uh, but Reach Wrestling are doing something a little bit different. They are airing a weekly show from Unit 10, which is of course the warehouse where they essentially train uh, all of their incredible students and also uh, a good place for you know wrestlers that are already pretty shit hot and high up the totem pole to you know get involved and knock off a bit of the ring rust and they've decided to kind of jump on this whole streaming thing um, but it's free it's on youtube Every Friday night, uh, if you go to Reach Wrestling on YouTube, it's very easy to find them, youtube.com slash Reach Wrestling, or just type in Reach Wrestling on the YouTube search. You'll find them, subscribe. Obviously, it's completely free. It's about an hour and ten. Uh, the first show happens just a few hours, actually, from when we recorded this, and will be reviewed uh, for YouTube only. Uh, simply because we didn't feel like it was necessary to bombard you with an extra podcast. But I thought it was worth pointing out the fact that, you know, Reach Wrestling doing a pretty good job of giving us wrestling in the correct way and a professional way and a safe way. And also pretty good card main event with Joey Seven defending his Academy Championship against somebody who I actually consider a friend of mine, um, the Silverback, <laughs> who is... A leviathan of a human being, all six, 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 seven of him. He's a he's a beast of a man. He absolutely is somebody after my own heart, a meaty horse, ladies and gentlemen. And he is certainly worth the admission fee alone. So please, please do check that out. Whether you be American or British, that's the wonderful thing about this as well. It's not region blocked or anything, so anyone can check it out. And that's something that really excites me. Um, Chris Jericho has been wrestling now for 30 years. Today marks 30 years of Chris Jericho in the business. What's your fondest memory of the Ayatollah of rock and roller, sir? 30 years. No, no. Jesus. Um, let's see here. Some great moments of Jericho. Uh, winning the Undisputed Championship was pretty sick. Phenomenal. Um, I mean, his debut. You have to talk about his WWE debut. Going toe-to-toe on the mic with The Rock his first day. That was, that was pretty sick. What else we got? Um, his run in 2008 when he was the world heavyweight champion, just wearing the suit, punching Shawn Michaels' wife legitimately in the face. <laughs> uh, God, there are 30 years. There, there are just so many moments that Chris Jericho has just, you know, reinvented himself. He's absolutely the GOAT at just changing with the times. Um, yeah, no question. Sorry, I was uh, a little bit distracted by some more wrestling news. Um, yeah, no, Chris Jericho, he's just such a wonderful human being, like, in so many ways. Is he, you know, does he do things that piss me off? Absolutely. There was this ridiculous concert he did recently, which apparently has contributed to a, you know, a massive infection rate in COVID, you know, that stuff. stuff. But by the way, can I just point out, it's not like he was in charge of that gig. He just played there. Could we start acting like he's, you know, wholly responsible for it? But nonetheless, not a wise decision to play there, you know, if you're <clears throat> leaning towards the side of safety. But. <clears throat> 30 years, man, you know, amazing. You know, today marks 30 years since his debut. His debut was against, you know, somebody you might have heard of, Lance Storm. They wrestled to a 10-minute time limit draw. Was it in Stampede? Was it in Stampede Um, Championship Wrestling? I'm not actually sure if it was. I do believe it was something, I'm pretty sure it was in a more sort of low-rent 
area is when they got to, because I believe they obviously, they became the thrill seekers when they got to Stampede. But I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure of that. By the way, if you can, check it out on YouTube. Somebody has uploaded the original promo videos that they used to do for Stampede as the Thrill Seekers, where they would, like, you know, bump into women in the hotel lobby, and they'd be like, ladies, and all these kind of dumb things, like then getting out of a helicopter, riding horses, going down the arcades, winning soft toys, just real like carnival shit imagine the mr perfect vignettes if they were done on the world's tiniest budget it's a little bit like that but they are great fun they absolutely are but yeah no i um i don't exactly know where it was for but i do know that he wrestled uh, lance storm and obviously i'm sure chris jericho will be contributing a lot to his career and looking back at it fondly on his uh, podcast talk is jericho which is let's be honest, always worth a listen, particularly if you're into aliens and shit, because he seems to have a lot of Fruit Loops on there uh, who are really into the conspiracy theories. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. Today also marks uh, one year since uh, AEW Dynamite made its debut in Washington, D.C. And of course, that holds special memories for me because I was there, which was very cool. Um, Yeah, just very cool looking back at that. More than happy, actually, to kind of retroactively go back and watch that, maybe cover it for the show or, you know, do a little YouTube watch along of it or whatever it might be. It was uh, it was really good fun. Really cool. And it's, it's hard to believe it's already been a year of AEW Dynamite. 52 solid weeks, essentially, of AEW Dynamite. Like, how do you think Dynamite overall has panned out over the last year? I mean... Uh, has more than half of it been in a corona era if you think about it yes because it has corona, yeah because corona came out like March. Hit corona really came in out mid yeah it came out i love that it was such it an adult release. thing we were so proud release the corona like yeah i like the way you say came yeah, out like, like it was like some store yeah if you ordered <laughs> if you pre-order coronavirus now you can enjoy this once in a lifetime hazmat suit like yeah, fantastic <laughs> get ready for yeah. the release of china's yeah. greatest hits from wuhan Oh, because yeah, it was about yeah the middle of March I think so September now. So I think it's been like a seven months in, five months out, like almost half and half. But I mean, I still think all things considered, it's been a fantastic show. I know uh, people, people, some people care about ratings. I don't. Ratings mean jack shit to me. But you know, they always have consistently high numbers. Whether they're beating NXT or not, it doesn't matter because, you know, you put the numbers together, you have like more than a million people a week watching wrestling on a Wednesday, which is always a good thing, so shut the fuck up. But, no, I mean, yes, definitely they've had some ridiculously good shows. They've had some, not as many, but they've definitely had some really weak shows. But, no, I think for the most part, I'd probably give it like a good, you know, good A. Maybe not A+, but a good solid A. Yeah, if I'm rating it out of 10, probably seven and a half. Like, very good. Very, very good. Um, loads of great moments. Loads of great talents have come through. There's some glaring problems, real glaring problems. I think if I was rating the last two months, it would be much lower. But uh, I think overall as a product, I think they've done very, very well. It's not an easy market to crack, even if you do have the heavy hitters of the Khan's money and, you know, TV, syndicated TV like you do. But the reality is that, They've done a reasonably good job. They pretty much waffled NXT in the reins for the large part of that, if that means anything to you, not personally to me. Um, and yeah, overall, I think they've, they've certainly cemented themselves as a viable alternative. Now, are they on a par with WWE? I think if you look at the overall quality of 
both products like WWE obviously has a massive head start, which is, you know, hugely unfair. They've got three TV shows two or maybe four or five. If you're looking at it with these smaller ones as well to AEW's, you know, one with a side YouTube show. But overall, I think they've done excellent. I really do. And I think they are most definitely at this point, probably considered the world's number two when it comes to wrestling. And they've done that in about a year, a year and a half, if you include some of the pay-per-view build-up and stuff. So that's no mean feat. And obviously they've had a lot of, uh, <clears throat> had a lot of money, you know, financial backing and things like that. But, you know, I, I'm very happy to dump on their ship if I don't like it or if I think they're doing things wrong. And I think Tony Khan could be in complete ass hat at times, but there's no denying that if you look at the overall product, they've done a good job. So yeah, seven and a half out of 10 for me, not too shabby, not too shabby at all. Ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Um, apparently raw underground is already dead. Uh, two months later down the line, this week saw the first week without a Raw Underground. It made absolutely no appearance whatsoever. There's also been a lot of creative issues surrounding Raw, which is a shame because I actually think Raw up until probably this week has been one of the better wrestling shows I've seen consistently in the COVID-19 era. I know it's really unpopular to say, but I actually think they've done a really good job with what they've had. I have been thoroughly entertained. I only feel like SmackDown has picked up over the last month. You know, credit to Roman Reigns. He seems to have reinvigorated a lot of that show, but it's still some really dodgy shit on that show. Um, but yeah, Raw apparently, uh, as reported by at WrestleVotes, no idea how uh, solid that source is. Uh, most of the wrestlers didn't find out what they were doing on Raw until shortly after 5 p.m. Uh, the Wrestling Observer apparently reported that most of the talent had no idea what they were doing until late afternoon or early evening, and that WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon didn't start working with the writing crew until late afternoon. The Observer adds that Vince was more inaccessible than usual to Raw this week. Vince and the Raw writing crew didn't sit down to start writing the details of the show until 2 p.m., which is first reported by Ringside News. Um, on a related note, Raw Underground didn't take place this week after seven straight weeks of the inverted commas worked shoot style fighting competition. But word is that it's not finished, so it's not dead apparently. While WWE has not scrapped the Raw Underground concept, it was noted that all is subject to change. Many of the talent who would have been used as extras in the Raw Underground crowd and others were in contact with people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in this latest outbreak. Um, because of that, that's pretty much panned Raw Underground for the time being. Do you think Raw Underground is something that should continue? Um, I mean, it's had some entertaining things, I guess. I mean... Anytime the Hurt Business was down there was pretty cool. I don't know if the Braun Dabakato fight actually happened because I think I turned off that Raw early because it was just so piss poor I didn't want to wait. But, I mean, for the most part, other than Shane just fucking squawking on the mic after every move, which is really unnecessary because he actually has no idea what he's <laughs> talking about. It's just awful. Oh, look at that. Oh, wow. Oh, oh it's like, you're such a fucking mark for yourself. Get out of here, you fucking Jordan-wearing prick. Christ. But um I mean it was it was a nice change of pace. It was something different. So you seven weeks, you know, just about two months. It had some interesting moments. So I don't know, I'd I'd say keep it around. Just like they're still working all the kinks out of it. I think it could be better, but I mean with WWE you never know. But you just 
yeah, keep keep, keep it going. Give him a chance. I mean, if you get Dabakato over, great, because he's a big dude. I'm not sure how well he can actually wrestle. I don't, don't know how he can actually, you know, go between the ropes, but he's just a big monster. And for the most part, you don't have to be that good. The Great Khali was world heavyweight champion, for fuck's sakes. You don't have to be that good. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Not much else to add on that front. Uh, WWE possibly will be moving the site of WrestleMania 37, which is due to take place on March the 28th, 2021. Uh, it's, it's, it was initially scheduled to take place in Inglewood, California, at the brand new SoFi Stadium, which is the home, of, I believe, of both the LA Rams and the Chargers. Uh, fantastic new stadium. Absolutely epic. As a big NFL fan as well, um, um, watching football, yeah, it is a absolute spectacle, that stadium. But obviously right now, no fans getting in to see anything. And it's looking more and more likely just five months out from WrestleMania, essentially. Well, you know, maybe six months. Yeah, six months. Um, But even then, it's not looking good for a full stadium experience. So apparently WWE has a contingency plan in in place, which may see them move to Tampa to cover everything, which of course would find themselves uh, centered closer to, you know, the performance center and everything else around that. Is that really a surprise to you? It's not really news, is it? Not really. No, I mean, they definitely made the place to have it in LA, you know, well ahead of time, assuming, or maybe hoping that the world would, uh, be in a better state. But, uh, Vince, look at the look at your own country. Look at your own president. He is not taking this shit seriously. So, <laughs> don't have any aspirations. I know that's not something you tell Vince McMahon to his face. Don't have any big dreams there, buddy. Because he'll probably just I don't know, drink eighteen Red Bulls and fucking crush your balls with his bare hands. I don't know. He seems crazy enough to do that, right? Uh, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, keeping with the theme of sort of small news, we're just going to power through as many of the little news topics as we can while they're floating around us so we can say that we've covered the majority of it for you wonderful folks out there. Um, uh, keeping in spirit with that, NXT is done at full sale and we'll be moving back to the performance set. And by the way, of course, NXT TakeOver 31 is this Sunday. Uh, so we will, of course, be covering that for the podcast as well. So we'll drop in our predictions in a moment. Um yeah, just rather quickly, mate, NXT no longer at full sale. A lot of that has to do, again, with COVID-19 measures. A lot of the individuals that were used at full sale for tapings uh, were actually students of the university and on campus. And, of course, uh, with COVID-19 the way it is and also, you know, not being able to use those students as much because of the fact that a lot of them are now returning to studies and things like that, it's just a bit of a murky territory. So they're going back to the performance center. There was some suggestion they might be using the Thunderdome, but apparently that isn't necessarily going to be the case anytime soon. So, yeah, NXT moving back to the Performance Center. Not massive news, but nonetheless, um, they won't be using Full Sail anytime soon. I mean, it's definitely for the best, especially, like I said earlier, you know, with all these colleges and universities going back in, students don't give a shit. All these fucking, like, young 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids just doing whatever the hell they want. You don't need to put your... I mean, I don't think I'm allowed to say employees, am I? Because they are independent yeah. contractors. I believe they're called <laughs> slaves, allegedly. Ah, yes. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, indentured, ser- indentured servitude? Ah, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've, uh, 
reminds me of Archer, that an episode of Archer where he's just like, I don't like that term. I I prefer the term indentured servants. And he's like, what, you mean slaves? Oh, now he's racist. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things. So NXT TakeOver 31 this week. Rather quickly, let's power through and give our predictions. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be watching it live. You're welcome to join us and send us in some predictions as well for a bit of fun. So... Singles match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Santos Escobar will defend his title against Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, I am going to assume it's Escobar, right? He's still got his uh, his little group of dudes, so I assume mm. they'll probably help him win that one. Yeah, no question. Uh, I've got Escobar as well. I actually quite like that little faction. I think it's quite cool. Kind of like a Mexican cartel kind of mafia thing. He's also alongside, I believe, DJZ and the who's the other guy? Help me out. Who's the other? It's DJZ and somebody else. Um, um, uh, it's not Sofia, is it? Ra Mendoza, Mendoza, that's the one. Is yeah, it Mendoza? Mendoza. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's Mendoza. Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll go with him. Um, whatever. Insert Mexican guy here. Uh, Vince Van doesn't know. He's like, oh, shut up. Just put him on Lama. Like, he'll turn him into the Mexicans. The Mexicans. I was yeah. just thinking uh-huh. that. <laughs> I was like, get on the Lama, you son of a bitch. Super, super crazy. Super crazy about you is how you're going to cut my lawn for the rest of your career, you piece of shit. Fucking tackle this. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, sorry. Um, all racist uh, overtones aside, uh, yeah, Escobar to retain his uh, title. Uh, this should be an interesting singles match. Uh, Velveteen Dream taking on somebody much smaller than him, allegedly. Uh, Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. Uh, I'm going with the Kushida win on this one. Mm, I am as well. It would be nice to see someone much smaller than Velveteen overcome him. <laughs> I mean, oh no! How could you can't, you can't oh, see me. You, you can't see me, but you know that gif of the black guy turned into the camera going. <laughs> That's essentially what I'm doing there. But I would have no idea. This is all allegedly, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure we'll get loads of fucking yeah, litigation going now fucking from people. What are you doing, man? Jesus. Oh, yeah, fucking God forbid, man. God forbid. I can't wait for all the fucking uber leftists to light up our DMs with us. How dare you, mate? fun at no we're not making fun of anything you know serious like that we're making fun of velveteen dream who kind of deserves it at this point don't give in um yeah eo shirai defends her nxt women's championship against candice laray interesting contender here ah because this kind of goes into another one of my picks i'm going with the candice win here Ooh, you fancy the upset do you I love Io Shirai. I think she's absolutely phenomenal. But because I kind of think uh, Johnny's probably going to win, spoiler for that match, I think uh, they're going to be some sort of crazy power couple. Yeah, I'm going to go with Io Shirai. It, this looks like a very cut-and-dry card for me. I've got Shirai retaining her championship. I feel like, as good as Candice LeRae is, and I'd have no problem with her being champion, I feel like they're reserving this for someone a bit more special. Also, it would really piss me off if they pulled the trigger for Candice LeRae, but they wouldn't for Dakota Kai. That would annoy me no end, especially as Dakota Kai had the added bonus of Raquel Gonzalez in her corner. Uh, Damian Priest defends, of course, something you've just mentioned, defends his North American championship against the other half of that couple, Johnny Gargano. Uh, like I said, I'm going to go with the Johnny win here. I I know it's Lost a shame to cut the legs. Not, I, I know it would be a shame to cut the legs off of Damian Priest. And honestly, Take I think he's... <laughs> he, is, he is a big lad. 
Yeah, hey, look at his size of him. He's money. If he wasn't so brown, I'd put the real title on him. I mean, honestly. That's Vince I'm saying that, not me. I'm as brown I'm as Damien Priest. Like, I'm going just with my heart on this one. My brain still says that uh, Damien's going to win because obviously that's the best choice. I would just love to see a Johnny win. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind either guy winning. I'd like to see Damian Priest retain, I suppose, because he's only just had it. Doesn't seem worth having the belt on him otherwise, unless you're going to have someone interfere and cause some nonsense. And also, we've just established that Johnny Gargano is like, you know, they, they don't really know what they're doing with Johnny, but he's just too good to stay away from high-profile matches. He really is. So, yeah, but I'm going to go with Priest. I think that's reasonably cut or dry to be honest in the main event or what will surely be in the main event Finn Balor defends the NXT Championship against Kyle O'Reilly and it, this is one of those matches where I so desperately want one man to win one man with glorious charisma and a beautiful body one man who has overcome all the odds to you know really be special and then there's Finn Balor the champion <laughs> like I just it's gotta be Kyle O'Reilly but it's not gonna be it's gonna be Finn Balor retaining, but God, I would love to see Kyle O'Reilly. And there is news apparently backstage: Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly being pushed as the mega faces. Now they reckon that they're going to really push forward with these guys being the faces. And I don't know what that means for Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong, or maybe those guys need a break for whatever reason. But yeah, um, I can't see anything other than Finn Balor winning here. It pisses me off that he won it in the first place because he's completely devoid of charisma. Yeah, I would do bad things to good people to see a Kyle Rally victory here, but we're not going to. Finn's going to win, and everyone's going to go, oh my god, look at it, look at him, he's winning. And we're going to sit here going, yeah, wow, I'd rather drink bleach. <sighs> yeah, no. Don't care. Send us in your predictions. There's only five matches, so you're not winning in fuck all, but Good laugh. Maybe maybe if you get the most predictions right, we'll let you on the podcast because I know Jay Miller's going to be the only one to send predictions. Is. So there you go, Jay. Send your predictions in, mate, and we'll let you come on the podcast. You're crescent. Uh, <laughs> again. Um, but 500 is coming up anyway. And to be fair to Jay Miller, he's been on enough podcasts that he warrants a return as a co host of some sort, even if it might be a lowly one. So, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, did you hear that Bret Hart um, discussed? Uh, his who he thinks were primarily responsible for the Montreal Scrooge. Have you seen this article? I have not, but uh, I should probably hand in my Canada card if I haven't at least uh, discussed <laughs> it. So please, I assumed it would be like on the front page of the main newspapers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Brett still being screwed? Fuck you, America! <laughs> I get to see like everyone burning effigies of Shawn Michaels in the street. It's a, we've let it go. No, we haven't. Canada has not let it go, and neither has parts of England either, where he was supremely popular over that wavy-haired Yankee. We don't like Yankees in Britain, dear boy. We like respectful, upstanding faces like Brett. Brett, Mr. Hart was wonderful to us. He was a proper gentleman. I think that's why I loved him so much. It shows you how much of a fucking uber melt I was when I was a kid. Because I love Brett Hart more than Shawn Michaels because in my mind, he represented the good side of people. And I believe that that's how you should have conducted yourself. So, hey, if anything... The babyface thing worked for me when I was a kid. But yeah, um, recently on Confessions of the Heat Man, which is uh, 
I don't know, something. I haven't seen it. Um, two-time WWE Hall of Fame Bret Hart talked about the documentary film Wrestling with Shadows, which obviously at this point, if you haven't seen, you need to sort your shit out. By the way, uh, Wrestling with Shadows, um, I think it's free on YouTube, isn't it? I think you can watch the whole thing on YouTube for free, so check that out if you haven't. Seriously, wonderful. Uh, it's a camera team follows and documents Bret Hart's final year in WWF, which is phenomenal. Very, very cool. Almost like too convenient in some ways. Um, but I've got a couple of hilarious questions I'll ask you in that revert, uh, reference. But of course, the Montreal Screwjob has been spoken about incredibly... You know, so it's overdone. It really is. Excuse me if I'm flagging a little bit. It's one thirty-six in the morning and I'm gearing up to watch Miami Heat. No doubt get bummed once again. Um, according to Hart, his issues with Michaels did not have to escalate as they did, were it not for McMahon's poor handling of the situation. The Hitman indicated that he laid out his issues about the heartbreak kids of McMahon prior to the Screwjob at Survivor Series. Apparently, McMahon promised to sit them down to address the issues, but he never followed through. Hart described the ultimate meeting as dodgy inverted commas which is absolutely fair um there's a there's a real long answer here i am not going through all this this is fucking ridiculous um so yeah uh, oh during the interview hart shared that the first thing my man said to him in the dressing room after the screw job was that this was the first time he had ever had to lie to his talent to which the hitman disagreed hart suggested him a man's lies leading up to the screw job made him look like united states president donald trump <laughs> Uh, quotation from Bret Hart. The first thing he said, he goes, this was the first time I ever had to lie to one of my talent. And as I'm sitting down, I go, you lying piece of shit. Then we started like, you've lied to me all week, all month, all the last six months. You're lying to me, lying to me, lying to me, lying to me, lying to me. Everything is a lie. Everything that comes out of your mouth. It's like watching Donald Trump on the news, Hart said. And it's like, everything's a lie and it gets my dander up again. <laughs> Which is one of my favourite lines from this whole thing. What is he, a fucking goose? Um, no, that's gander. Not dander, gander. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, um, he believes that uh, Briscoe uh, was probably the other person involved. But it's, it's, it, to be honest, it feels like old news. But he believes Triple H, Joe Briscoe and Vince McMahon were the ones who spawned the original idea. Um, so, yeah, but hey, you've got, what is it, Dark Side of the Ring? They've covered it as well, so... Yeah, I I don't really care. I'll tell you one thing, actually. I don't think I really got a chance to ask you on the podcast. Do you believe there's any truth to the fact that Brett was in on it and it's a giant work, like Scott Hall insinuated on Dark Side of the Ring? I don't think that's possible. And if it is, Brett is the best actor I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, random bit of news. Pineapple Pete uh, obviously did not sign with AW. Some people might have noticed uh, Pineapple Pete, uh, also known as Sugar Dunkerton, Suge D, uh, very well known actually over here for his time on British independent wrestling. Um, yeah, he, uh, he didn't sign with it. Uh, obviously, he was uh, recently on the Wrestling Inc. Daily podcast. Uh where they had a little chat and he reflected on his sum of AW. The biggest highlight of Sujdi's run was his feud against Chris Jericho, where he was dubbed Pineapple Pete. Sujdi reflected on that feud and praised Jericho for the little details he added to the match, which they had. So it was definitely one of those surreal, like WWE career mode stories. You know what I'm saying? Only in the video games, man, but it definitely let me know that happenstance is very powerful. Sujdi said, I did his podcast, talk his Jericho. We got into the anatomy of all of that, but something as small as just like a pineapple shirt at the right time 
around catches the eye. Stuff turns into stuff. It was definitely educational. That's the other thing that I can take from it too, because I think people just don't realise the mind on Chris Jericho. Just even for something that small, the way he got detailed and the way he was very meticulous about how he wanted certain things done, even down to like the promo I recorded, because this is a guy who knows if we lay it out this way, it's going to get this kind of reaction. And his track record is pretty damn good. Despite not being contracted with AEW, Suge D still received a full entrance, including Pyro. He revealed that it was Jericho's idea, and he praised the tech crew at AEW for all the work they did. He said that was also Jericho's call. Um, yeah, he, he's basically had, obviously, a lot of time to reflect on things, and he reckons that AEW treated him incredibly well. That didn't, however, stop him uh, appearing on an episode of Raw Underground. If you want to check out the whole thing, check out WrestlingInc.com. Uh, they've got a huge link to it right there. But... Um, do you think that AEW should have signed Pineapple Pete? Absolutely. Or may, uh, not, that not being that being said, I don't know whether he might have turned down an opportunity. There is an insinuation here that he was offered a contract and said no. Um, I don't know if that's due to money or whatever reason. That's not for me to speculate. But at the same time, I feel like he would have added some sort of value to this company. You know, people were really hot on him, and as you could tell from social media, which is really a good gauge for these kind of things. Yeah, people were excited about the concept of him. Yeah, I enjoyed watching him. I thought his match with Jericho was good fun. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Edge uh, had a little bit of a chat recently. Uh, on a recent episode of the Busted Open podcast, a really Hall of Famer Edge called in and provided an update to his triceps injury that he suffered from his backlash match against Randy Orton. He hasn't been seen pretty much since, uh, unfortunately. Um, he called his recovery a slow process, but also a learning process as well. I mean, I don't know. It's a learning process because I'm going to be 47 next month. So I didn't know That's how I heal from injuries. I know it's disgusting. No man can look that good on that inch. I'll be dead by then. Fuck you. Um, surgeries and things like that. Uh, it's a slow process. I'm not going to lie. The triceps is a different thing. I got back from an Achilles in six months, but I was 35 doing that. So 10 plus years, I don't know. It's a different thing. You don't realize how much a tricep is involved in almost everything you do in terms of art movement. It really is. It's really actually quite worrying reading this because I went to the gym yesterday and pretty much blew out both of my triceps working a little bit too hard on the weights. And like, I'm really sore today to the point where I'm really struggling to lift my arms up. And it made me real. And that all the pain is in the triceps, which for anyone who doesn't know, is the muscle on the underside of your arm. <laughs> so I'm just like, and blowing one of those out it really does like you can't lift your arm you can't fucking flex it properly you know if you you know if, i mean I'm, for me it feels like i've just strained both my muscles from just you know not enough stretching by the way stretch if you're a young person this is fucking stretch before you work out because i'm paying the price for that and i'm only 35 so enough said although when i look at edge Gives me hope that I can look somewhat like a human being by the time I hit that age, if I somehow live. But no actual date as to when Edge could be back. But then again, it is on the Busted Oak podcast, which I believe is semi fame anyway. So I don't know how much I would take that uh, into account. But hopefully Edge is going to be back reasonably soon. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see Edge back on my TV. Like... We, we got to thank him for, you know, giving Randy the career renaissance. Uh, maybe not renaissance, maybe resurgence. Just the fact that Randy's doing so well, it all started with Edge. So let's uh, let's get Edge back because I know they're, they're not done. I mean, I don't want like a hundred more matches between them. Give them like 
you know, another one, two at most. Don't fucking dilute it down like they've been doing with Drew, but no. But at the same time, he's going to be, what was it, 47? Yeah, he's going to be 47 next month. Terrifying, isn't it? Absolutely terrifying. Uh, Yeah, he looks absolutely phenomenal. Um, Apparently, Heath Slater tried to get Curtis Axel to join uh, Impact Wrestling, which I think would have been fucking hilarious, by the way. Uh, Oh, by the way, uh, another thing as well. Um, I don't know how much you know of his work, but uh, Jeff Cobb, uh, has signed for NJPW as opposed to AEW. He had a choice of the two, and he opted for NJPW. Any thoughts on that? Do you think that's the right fit for him? Sorry, uh, you cut out a little bit at the end there. Something about NJPW. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, we have had some technical difficulties on this podcast, and I apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jeff Cobb signing for NJPW instead of AEW. Ooh. What do you think? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I'm not super familiar with Jeff Cobb's work, which is a shame because what I what little I saw in AEW was fucking sweet. <clears throat> so, I, but I mean, in Japan, he can, you know, use his size, use his strength to beat other people, and they're not gonna find a better later because they're just gonna come harder. So, <laughs> let him have fun over there, man. Let him kill himself with Suzuki. Yeah, um, Carl's starting to break up now as well. His microphone's starting to break out, so I assume the connection is. So uh, one last thing before we wrap things up, ladies and gentlemen. You might have heard uh, the NJPW G1 Climax 30 is currently on the go. This tournament um, has been going for, I believe, eight days now. Uh, so uh, the most recent results, Juice Robinson defeated Tori Yanu. Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Haruki Goto. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Yoshihashi. I should have shouted spoilers for it, shouldn't I? Uh, Evil with Dick Togo <laughs> defeated Kenta. And Sonata defeated Uh Currently, as it stands, in A block, J-Y is leading the way, but he's also level on points with Tai Chi. What the fuck? <laughs> Will Ospreay, Koto Ibushi, no. and Minoru Suzuki, who all have six points and have three wins and one loss. So Jay White, Tai Chi, Will Ospreay, Koto Ibushi, and Minoru Suzuki, all tied for the lead in A Block with six points and a three-on-one record. And then right in the middle of that pack, Kazushka Okada uh, with four points, Jeff Cobb with two. He's one of three. Uh, the only person... With zero points in A block is surprise. The Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi, who is sitting there at 0-4 with zero points. Uh, in B block, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Juice Robinson, and Toriano are all 3-1 and one with six points. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Evil, and Kenta. Uh, oh, and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi will have four points. Ruki Goto, two. Yoshihashi, two. And Sonada, two. Uh, the following matches will take place this Monday. So you'll probably be able to check it out um, by the time you listen to this podcast um, because we're recording this on a Friday night. But the following matches take place uh, this Monday. Shingo Takagi versus Yujiro Takahashi. Jeff Cobb versus Jay White. Kazushka Okada versus Minoru Suzuki. Look out. Um, Tomohiro Ishii versus Tai you better fucking murder him, Ishii, or I'll be furious. And Koto Abushi, Koto Abushi will face Will Osprey on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Look out for that. Oh, that's that's going to be saucy. That'll be naughty. 
Yeah, not to mention highly contentious when you think about everything that's going on. So it's got to add a bit of spice to it. And I'm sure a lot of people will want to see Kota Ibushi knock him out for real. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the G1 Climax, ladies and gentlemen. That pretty much wraps up uh, the State of Wrestling Address. I hope you've enjoyed it. I need to wrap it up now anyway, because I'm going to go and watch my team get utterly humbled in the second game of the NBA Finals. Uh, Carl Wilkinson, thank you very much for joining me for the State of Wrestling Address, mate. Will you be joining me for the review of NXT? Takeover 31. I would very much like to. So, uh, Better be. Everyone, don't forget. We generally have it open. Oh, right? General so, Lee. Uh, he in charge of all the Lee. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I've done that forever, but it always costs me. I, to be fair, I've let quite a few slide, but every now and then my brain goes, got to drop in one of those dodgy Asian jokes, mate. Oh, by the way, uh, as a very quick aside, I would just like to say that Mark Zuckerberg is a mahusive cunt. I am sick of your shit. I'm officially calling you out on this podcast, you geeky, pencil-necked fuck, you neo-Nazi-loving, fascist motherfucker. Come and fight me, Mark Zuckerberg. I will whip the monkey piss out of you in front of all of your wonderful white supremacist fans. According to Mark Zuckerberg and his wonderful fucking algorithms and shit, apparently me posting on Instagram that I think that Wagamama's is trash food for trash white people is apparently hate speech. So here's to you, Mark Zuckerberg. If I ever see you in person, I'm going to punch you so hard in your pathetic, sweaty little taint, you fucking cocksucker. How about that, you little fucking bitch? Set it up. Me, Aaron Eggs, versus that little fucking bitch, Mark Zuckerberg. I want his ass inside hell in a cell. Yeah, actually, I would love, I would pay for that. I would pay good money to watch a murder. Yeah, fuck you, and fuck anyone who thinks it's okay to censor opinions, to censor fucking media. Fuck you. We're supposed to have the freedoms and the expressions of human beings and apparently we're being shoved into a corner so think about it ladies and gentlemen by the way that's probably why you won't be able to find me on too many social medias going forward we will however maintain WrestlePlug as it is so if you want to contact me directly or leave any questions whatever obviously at WrestlePlug on all social media Erinix Design is still available on Facebook and Twitter as it stands but that might change too so I'll let you guys know but from a moral standpoint I have quite frankly had enough and I feel like it would be uh, uh, very much against my moral and ethical standpoints if I continue to, you know, even have a platform on those social media platforms because, simply put, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite for supporting anything that involves a cunt like Mark Zuckerberg. So, yeah, fuck that guy. Twitter, I know, is owned by somebody else, Jack Dorsey, I believe, but whatever. Anyway, getting all political, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump's got COVID-19, and if I have my way... I will ensure that Mark Zuckerberg spends the rest of his life drinking whatever pathetic white supremacist horseshit Gatorade that goes into his system for a fucking straw because I'll paralyze the silly little cunt. Thank you for censoring this world, mining data, siding with fucking dodgy Russians and everything else in between, you fucking war criminal. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, I've never. I, well, it's I like I empathize for sure. I've just never run into any of these problems myself, so I'm not sure how to. That's because you're not as fucking ha- abusive and awful as I am. Like, but the difference is, I'm not out here claiming to be a good person, you know. But I mean, like, I've never fact- called myself a good person. 
Like, it fucking winds me up. Like, seriously, my social media consistently gets flagged up. And they said they sent me a message today saying, we are going to suspend your account and we will delete it if you continue to violate our hate speech protocol. I'm like, hate speech? You cunts openly allow lunatics, thoroughbred lunatics, white supremacy groups, neo-Nazi fascists, right? They allow their groups freedom of speech on their platform. But as soon as I say Wagamama's is shit and only white trash motherfuckers here, apparently, all of a sudden, I am countermount, or tantamount, should I say, to fucking murdering Malcolm X. It's fucking ridiculous, mate. Get, get your fucking priorities right. I see people threatening people all the time. Only yesterday, Chrissy Teigen had unfortunately dropped some really horrific news. I believe she'd had a miscarriage. Um, you know, and people were fucking just saying the most vile, disgusting shit that you could ever imagine from humanity underneath. And not a thing was being said. But I, God forbid I fucking critique some substandard horseshit Asian food. I guarantee they didn't even know what that post said. They simply just caught a couple of buzzwords, Asian and white, and thought, oh, they're swearing in there with that. They must be insulting a demographic. I'm not insulting any demographic. I'm insulting shitty food and people who choose to eat shitty food. And apparently that is tantamount to a hate crime. You know, if you ever wanted to know how fucking ridiculously sensitive and so uber leftist we are at this point, that was it right there. And I'm not a fucking right wing lunatic. I don't believe in guns and all that fucking horseshit. I just believe in freedom of fucking speech. What it's called is being a regular fucking human being with some sort of moral and ethical standpoint. Fuck you. Fuck you and your shitty social media, you sweaty little cunt, Zuckerberg. Honestly, I cannot stress this enough. I will fuck you up. I will chin you. I will batter you, you silly little cunt. Come to my fucking house. I know you got the money. Fuck you flying by a private helicopter. Hell, I'll even make you a cup of tea before I get to the whipping. But I swear to God, if I get my hands on you, I'll bury you in my front garden, you lazy piece of shit. This is all allegedly, of course, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's the State Wrestling Address. Thank you very much, Carl Wilkinson, for joining me. As I've already said, Carl will be back, of course, for NXT TakeOver 31, uh, and as will I, most hopefully. And hopefully that'll be a good show to cover. And despite the sheer range that spews from my mouth, I will happily welcome anyone into our wonderful Xbox Live by to watch NXT TakeOver with us. And we might even get a surprise appearance from Jeremy Miller if he can be asked to take his big old thumb out of that turnip that he is making love to while his wife sits at home doing all the fucking work as per usual you fucking hillbilly uh from myself or next and from carl wilkinson thank you very much for listening to state wrestling address and we will catch you very soon for more content from the wrestle plug